0: Haryam. We'll chant from the beginning of this fifteenth chapter. Shri Bhagavan Vachana. Sri Bhagavan Vacha, Vacha. Udvam Ulamada Ashvattham prahuravyayam Chandansiyasya parnani parnani Yastam vedasa vedavita
1: vedavita
0: Adhashchordvam prasritastasya shakhaha गुना प्रवृद्धा विशय प्रवालाह अधश्य मूलान्यनु संततानी कर्मानु बंधेनि Narupamasehatathopa labhyate. Nanto nachadirnachasampratishtha. Ashvatthamenam
1: suvirudhamulam.
0: Ashvatthamenam suvirudhamulam. Asanga shastrena dridhena chitta. Tathapadam Tathparimargitavyam Yasmin gatana nivartanti bhooyah Tameva chadyam purusham prapadyam Yata pravritti prasruta purani. Yata pravritti prasruta purani. prasruta purani. purani. Huh. So in this fifteenth uh, chapter, again Bhagavan reveals the supreme truth about that supreme reality about his own self, which is not different from us. He begins by describing this whole world as a tree, an inverted tree, with its roots above and the branches below. Above means that above, that supreme truth, Brahman is as though above the root, and everything comes down from that, emerges from that Brahma alone. So, Brahma is above. Just as the tree, ordinary tree, are rooted in, on earth, this tree is rooted in Brahma. But earth is down, and Brahma is up. It depicted up, because up means something higher, something greater, something sublime, more superior. So, we call it up. So, this whole tree, whole cosmos is like a tree and uh, again if you analyze a tree, you will find that there is some matter in the tree and there is that life force in the tree. Even if you see a little seed, that seed is matter and life. That matter is very complex. But the intelligence is there in that life, if that life goes away, then that matter cannot express as a tree. So, uh, matter and life is like that uh, what we had seen in the previous chapter also, is like Prakriti and Purusha, it is a little echo. So, Prakriti and Purusha is like matter and that life. And we find that it is pervading the entire tree. Every, every part of the tree, if you see, it is made up of matter and life. Similarly, this entire cosmos is just a combination of Prakriti and Purusha. But instead of using the term Prakriti Purusha, Bhagavan is describing the whole thing here with the, with this beautiful uh, metaphor of a, of a tree. So this tree, uh, the whole cosmos, it is said in the scriptures that whatever is there in the cosmos is there in the individual also. So yatha pinde tatha brahmande or yatha brahmande tatha pinde. So, the individual is a replica of the total. So, you find that this Urdhva Mohla Ashwattha tree, you can see it in your own uh, body also. So, the head is like the uh, root and all these branches are going down. So, the topmost portion is there, which is like the uh, root So its roots are above and head is there. Then the arms are there and the legs are there. They are like the branches going down. So what we are seeking in this world, if we want to find God in the world, we can seek God in our own body, in our own self. We will be able to comprehend God in our own Self. So therefore this uh, beautiful description of a tree is uh, very interesting. Bhagavan says that uh, though the world is described as a tree, but if you really try to find out its uh, reality, it will disappear. He says that na rupam asya tatha iha upalabhyate that the uh, rupa of this world is not available, as it is described here, as you try to investigate, it will disappear. Even about our own body, about our own senses, about our own mind, intellect and the ego, if we try to investigate, if we try to find out the reality about it, it will just vanish, and that reality will be experienced as it is. It's like the rope and the snake, the snake we can describe in detail, but if we try to look at the snake, if we try to find out the reality about the snake, if you look at it closely, the snake will disappear and you will comprehend a the rope there. Similarly, Bhagwan says that though this whole cosmos is described as a wonderful tree, but really speaking, it doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't have a middle, it doesn't have an end, The form is not available as it is. When we are not aware of ourselves, it appears to be there. But when we become aware and enlighten and realize ourselves, the world as it is seen now (coughs) will not be seen. We will see everything as our own self. If you ask a realized master, what is this world? he will say this is all God only. So, Siddharth Vasudeva Sarvamiti. Everything is divine. Everything is that Shiva only. But for an ignorant person, everything seems to be different, made up of matter, made up of different qualities. So, this form as it is described is not available. So, why it is described? This is described just to indicate that supreme truth, supreme reality Because Bhagavan in the first verse itself, he mentioned that those who know this, they are the knowers of the Veda. Yastam Veda, Sa Veda Vita. And the main theme of the Veda is to know the self. Later on also we will see that Shloka Vedasche sarvaihi aham eva vedyaha. In all the Vedas, Aham itself has to be recognized have to be known. Other is all details. Others are all different uh, uh, packing. Sometimes they have no, some tiny little watch or uh, some object will be there, and the packing will be like anything. Uh, people give big gifts on birthday and all. You feel, Arey, wow, first class, bada gift gaya When you open it, it's a big box then you open it in some some thermocol or something then you open then you get a book thick one and you are the congratulation you are the proud owner of this then you open and then that little tiny little thing will come out similarly if you study the vedas lots and lots of things are there but the main theme of all the vedas is to recognize my own self Vedaishya Sarvaihi Aham Eva Vedyaha One has to recognize one's own self through the Vedas. And how one should do it? Bhagavan gives two step program here. First step is Vairagya and second step is to investigate, to seek with the attitude of surrender so vairagya and inquiry plus surrender so vairagya is first step which shifts our attention from the world so bhagwan says this uh, this world which you see the world which you see here has to be uh, Āvāj kīkkaru, baiya. So, Āśvattha menam mūlam Āsaṅga śastrēna dhidena chitvā. Thoda sakam kallu. So, Āśvattha menam mūlam Āsaṅga śastrēna dhidena chitvā. So, look. So, Bhagavan says this tree which is there You cut it, cut it means withdraw your attention from this tree with the, with the weapon of Asangata, of non-attachment. Non-attachment. See, non-attachment is different from detachment. Bhagavan doesn't say that you get detached from this world, but don't be attached. We will see what it is later on. So, with the sword of non-attachment, you cut, you withdraw the, your attention from the world and and seek the source of this world, not outside, but within yourself. As I said, the tree which is there outside is here also. So seek the source from where all the activities have emerged in the beginning. Tamevacach. Tameva chadyam purusham prapadde yatap purani. So in the purani, in the good old days, all the pravritti all the activities from where it has emerged, it has started, you seek that. Good old days means we don't have to go into the past, but you can go into the present, deeper into the present. Not going into the past. See, the technique of science is to go into the past. If they want to find out the source of this world, the cause of this world, they try to go into the past. Few centuries ago, what was there? Few million years ago, what was there? So many billion years ago, what was there? So they try to go into the past. Because the science has got this assumption that the cause of the world is in the past. This is an assumption. The assumption is the cause of the world is somewhere in the past. And spirituality says the cause is not in the past, it is in the present. But you have to go to the depth of the present. Just as science tries to go into the depth of the past, spirituality says you go into the depth of the present. Present is not as simple as it seems. When we are uh, very superficial, we experience the present at the outer level, at the level of our senses. What we see, hear, taste, touch, the perception seems to be in the present moment.
1: Hmm.
0: Suppose I am seeing something, it is in the present moment. The eyes are looking at this flower, this is happening in the present moment. But even this simple act of perceiving this flower is very deep. The eyes are looking at the flower, but what is happening behind the eyes? Behind the eyes we have our mind. If the mind is not there, then you will not be able to see the flower, even when it is in front of you. Sometimes people are in front and their mind goes somewhere else. Even while reading, they read the book but their mind goes elsewhere. Again, then they have to read the same paragraph. Even during pravachan, one and a half hours of pravachan, but so many times the mind runs. Then it comes back. In between, we have to crack jokes to bring back the mind. Because everyone laughs. Hey, kya ho gaya? So, so when I look at the flower, it is the thing which is happening in the present moment. My eyes are looking at the flower. But is that all? Or is there more depth to it? My mind is also involved in it. My mind is looking at the flower through the eyes. But is it all? No, the intellect is also involved. Mind feels. See flowers, flower is perceived by the eyes, but felt by the mind. When somebody gives you a flower with love, you look at it with your eyes, but you feel it with your mind. All flowers don't look same. When the flower which is offered to the Lord, when it is given to you, eyes will see it as flower, but the mind will feel the prasad. It will feel the, the, the devotion in it. The offering which was made to the Lord. Then again, behind the mind we have the intellect. The intellect will judge. Intellect which gi- will give commentary. The intellect will say that, okay, this flower is in a prasad. Or this flower is uh, of this quality. Or the intellect will try to name the flower. Then also the intellect, as it is judging the flower, it also activates our memory. Because to judge and to feel also, sometimes we use our memory. I had seen this flower last year also, and that person brought it to me. And then your mind goes, your thoughts goes into the past, memory. So all this is happening in the present moment. So, present moment is very deep. Then again this mind, intellect functions because of consciousness. It cannot function without consciousness. Consciousness is the very support which supports the intellect, the mind, the senses to function. So, consciousness is deeper. Consciousness is just conscious of of the all this. So, the thinking which is happening in the, in the intellect, I am conscious of it. The feeling which is happening in the mind, there is consciousness of it. The perception which is happening at the level of the senses, there is consciousness behind it. So, consciousness is much deeper. So, all these activities happen because of this consciousness. So, when we go into the depth of the present moment, we will reach the pure consciousness. One is Consciousness, which is identified with all that is happening in front. But if you go deeper into that, we will encounter that pure Consciousness. So that pure Consciousness is the very source, is the very root, is the very source from where all these activities as though has emerged. It is outside is not cause of that conscious. Consciousness is the cause or the source of all that is happening outside. Like we see a movie in the theater. It appears as though the whole thing is happening on the screen there and that screen is the cause and things are happening out there. But it is not happening out there. It is happening in here, in the projector room. And from that small hole, the whole thing is projected. If you shut the hole, the everything stops there. Similarly, the entire world is seen as manifold, but who is observing, who is seeing the world? I. So I becomes the, the, the inner source from where the world is observed. So when we go to the depth of this I, we will be able to recognize that truth, we will be able to recognize that Brahma, we will be able to recognize what we call God. So therefore this path is given here. Bhagavan says, "Tatapadam Padam Tat After gaining that Vairagya, you follow the path, you seek, seek the source. And having sought that source, what will happen? Having reached that point, what will happen? Yaspin na Having attained which, you will not again come back into this samsara. Having reached that point, there is no coming back. Having attained that, you will know that you are always there. See, coming and going happens within a limited uh, space. If I go to one place, I can come back from that place also. If I reach one state, I can come down also, I can go up also. But here Bhagwan is talking about our own self having attained which, there is no coming and going. One remains there as one's own self. So therefore Bhagwan says, having attained this, there is no coming back into samsara. It's like having understood the falsity of the snake and once we comprehend the rope, then one doesn't get caught up with the illusion of the snake again. So, Tameva Chadyam Purusham prapade. Bhagavan says you do this inquiry with the attitude of surrender. Surrender to yourself. Surrender to your own higher self that higher self is called param atma sant naneshwar maharaj says it is like the wave surrendering to the water or like gold ornaments surrendering to gold like that this i the limited i consciousness surrenders to that infinite limitless consciousness surrendering is dropping our sense of limitation dropping our uh, this uh, sense of i and totally uh, surrendering to that pure consciousness alone see this uh, surrender is uh, is a is a path of uh, bhakti and inquiry is a path of uh, knowledge but here Bhagavan combines them both he says, you inquire with the attitude of surrender. You follow the path of jnana with the support of bhakti, or you follow the path of bhakti with the support of jnana. Because both of them are complementary. Complement? Yeah, complementary to each other. One without the other will be incomplete. Without that attitude of surrender, that. Uh, that uh, strength will not be there. In love, there is strength. In knowledge, there is direction. Knowledge, there is direction. In love, there is strength. Knowledge is like, uh, you know where to go and how to go. And uh, love is are like the legs which takes you there. So when I inquire, I get the proper understanding of the goal, my own self. And when I develop that attitude of surrender to that self, when I drop all my attachment to the world outside, to the body, to the mind, to the intellect, when I drop all this fear and sense of insecurity and that just surrender to that pure consciousness, you can call that consciousness God, can call it Shiva, you can call it Krishna, can call it Rama, whatever name we can give. Krishna means one who attracts everyone is called Krishna. Rama means who gives joy to everyone is called Rama. Shiva means one who is most auspicious is called Shiva. So these are various names of that pure consciousness alone who attracts us. So we should become like Radha, not Dhara dhara is opposite of radha when the mind flows out when our attention goes out then it is like dhara but when the attention goes back to the source like radha going back hmm. so tamevacha adyam purusham prapadde yatapravritti prasuta purani so bhagwan says you surrender to this this uh, great uh, reality from where everything emerged. So, surrender to that uh, that consciousness which is even the substratum of I. I am. So, I have this knowledge I am and behind that is that pure consciousness. So, surrender to that consciousness. Just as we go to sleep. When we go to sleep, we surrender to ignorance. We surrender to tamagun. But here we have to surrender to that pure consciousness alone. So this very beautiful uh, shloka. But then uh, though this path was uh, indicated here, many people find it very difficult. And the difficulty is because of uh, lack of preparation. It's like uh, when you want to go to a new place or even to some spot in the Himalayas and all, you have to acclimatize yourself there. If we don't acclimatize, then we might not be able to proceed further properly or may get sick also. So in order to walk this path of spirituality, we have to first acclimatize. We have to tune our body, mind, intellect for spirituality. Just like we tune our mobile for interacting with people. We have to tune our body, mind, intellect for spirituality. So how to tune? What are the qualifications which help us to take this final step towards our own supreme self? Bhagwan gives that in the following verse, it's very important verse, which gives the five point program. We had seen in the 13th uh, chapter, 20 point program. So 20 ki naam se gavraat ho jati shi. Bhagavan said, okay, I will give you only 5 now. So what are these great values which we have to cultivate? Nirmanamo hajita sangado shaha अध्यात्मनित्या विनिवृत्तकामाह द्वन्द्वेर्वे मुक्ता सुखदुख संग्येह गच्छंत्यमोधा Nirmana moha jita sanga dosha Adhyatma nitya vini vritta kamaha Dvanvair vimukta sukha dukha sangya Bhagawan says those who have these qualities, these five, they are called amudhaha. They are non-foolish. mood means foolish. Amodhaha non-foolish. Such non-foolish seekers tat padam avyayam gachanti They attain, they attain that padar, that state, which is avyayam, which is indestructible which is uh, the supreme state, is attained by those seekers who have this, who develop this qualification. Though all these qualifications belongs to the body, the mind, the intellect, mainly the mind and intellect, but this helps the seeker to attain the supreme state of realization. And uh, mood also means uh, one who has lost his path. So, the Jiva is one who has lost his path. It's called Mordha. Sometimes we go to a new place and we lose. Then we ask people. And when we listen to them, we get more lost. The way people sometimes give direction, only God alone knows what they are trying to say. So, Mordha is one who has lost his path. And that is the jiva. He has lost his home. He has gone away from his own home and roaming around in this world in search of happiness, in search of peace, in search of some some joy, some satisfaction. But when we develop these five qualities, then we come to know our way back home. So, what are these? Says first is Nirmana Moha. Freedom from mana and moha. Mana means pride. Moha means again delusion. Freedom from pride and delusion. See this word mana uh, in Sanskrit is very beautiful. The whole depth of that word cannot be brought out in in English. We have translation for all these words but uh, the original Sanskrit gives much more deeper meaning to it. Mana, Ma means to measure. That word Ma is in you know, the Ma Ma plena, huh? To measure. Ma means to measure. So mana is a measurement of what? Our own self. Each one of us we have measured ourselves. We have defined ourselves. Our definition of our own self is our, what we call pride, or what we call man. We measure our self on the basis of what we have, or what is around us. Because we have not recognized our own self, so we measure our self on the basis of the intellect, and the mind, the body, the possessions which we have the things which we have acquired in this world, our uh, actions and our achievements and all, on the basis of that, we measure ourselves. that I am so and so. Yeah? If you ask a person to uh, tell something about yourself, whatever that person tells, unless he is a realized master, whatever that person says is a measurement only. Mujhi nahi and you ask everyone, nobody knows. Then finally, you go to the police station and his photographs are there <laughs> in three different angles. So, with a number plate. So, man means to measure. We measure ourselves. Uh, the I is measured. I say, I, first of all I say that I am a man or a woman. That is a measurement. You have already put a gender on that eye. Brahma, that supreme reality doesn't have any gender. Already we have measured it with the help, uh, with the gender which is, which belongs to the body. We measure on the basis of our mind, I am so-and-so, I am, you know, I am emotional, I am happy, I am unhappy, I am this, like that, like this. So that is also measurement. Then I say about the intellect, I am a doctor, I am a lawyer, I am an engineer. Whatever knowledge we have acquired or degrees we have acquired, on the basis of that also we measure. And if you if you say something less than what the person feels himself, that person feels insulted. Insult is apaman. Apaman means less man. If we measure the other person lesser than what he thinks himself to be, then he feels insulted. That's called apaman. And when we measure that person more than what he feels he is, that is called bahuman. man. This we have seen before also. So this uh, measurement, when we assume or define ourselves that is a great block in understanding my own self because you have already defined yourself you have already you feel you know yourself we should go approach our own self as a child totally innocent and unlearning and dropping all our assumptions assumptions are greatest obstacle on the path of inquiry don't assume anything. Just find out who, what is this I? Who am I? Find out by focusing your awareness there, not by focusing your intellect there. But by, because intellect will give its opinion. For example, a flower. If you ask the intellect, it will give it name and form and so many things. It will tell. So, intellect, if you ask, it will give it more definition to this aham, and it will be another measurement. So, a seeker, sincere seeker, should drop all this measurement, means drop all pride, at least about outer objects. Sometimes the measurement is on the basis of outer object also. I am a rich person, I am a poor person. You are a rich person. So I assume myself as a rich person. So that becomes my measurement. So all this has to be dropped. And when we drop it, we will be able to recognize ourselves as we are. It's very interesting. It's like a a house which we build. Whatever walls we put around it, it measures the space. So walls are measurement of space. Walls are like mana. So when you break the walls, the infinite space is is recognized. Each of this is like a path to recognize our own self. Therefore in, in Ramayana also, Tulsi Rajiv explaining the knowledge, he says, Jnana mana Jaha ek hunahi. Dekha brahma samana Mahi." Knowledge is that where there is no mana. All mana is dropped. And when the, all the man gets dropped, what happens? One sees that same Brahma everywhere. We have measured ourselves in the body, in the mind, in the intellect. So all this measurement has to be dropped. And that comes, that is actually vairagya only. Become a nobody. First step is to become a nobody. Then we will become, we will realize that we are that somebody. That supreme self. But if I have already become somebody, then it is, we are stuck. It's like the pot. When it is, the clay is soft, then you can put it into whatever shape you want. But already it is stuck in one shape, then it's very difficult. Then it will have to be broken. So nirmana, become free of mana. And moha, moha means delusion, confusion, confusion not about the world or about other things, but confusion about our own self. One is people are totally ignorant who they are, but another is they assume and they have all sorts of misunderstanding about it. So those misunderstanding and false notions and all have to be eliminated by proper study of the scriptures. So moha can be eliminated through proper study of the scriptures which talk about the self. This whole Bhagavad Gita if we study, at the end of it Arjuna says Nashto moha that all my moha has gone and now I have Regain the memory of my own self. So, a seeker should drop all mana and should drop all moha. Hmm. Then that self will be recognized. Then, jita sangha dosha. Sangha means attachment. One and dosha means defect of attachment. Dosha, And one who has conquered the defect of attachment. See, attachment is uh, love plus want plus expectation. Love is not denied. The scriptures don't say you don't love anyone. But when there is love plus expectation, means, see, when there is when there is love and expectation, then it is not really we are loving the other person, we are loving us only. In the sense, we are just utilizing, using the other person for our own joy or for our own pleasure. So, your Sangha is like love plus total expectation. We have this towards human beings, towards animals, towards birds, towards plants, towards flowers also. Everything. Even bird, we, if we, when we say I love birds and all, that means I catch the birds and put it into the cage. That is called love, loving the bird, according to us. That is called love plus expectation. If you remove expectation, you will let the bird fly. But if you add expectation, you want the bird to be there, saying hello to you every day. You give it little, little, thing to eat, then the bird looks at you, then you look at the bird, and all those things. So expectation we have to remove from our love, then it becomes uh, pure. And that is what is called conquering the dosha of attachment. And how do you know, what, what, what happens when this dosha is there, where there is expectation then there is little sorrow, pain, agitation, trouble, so many things happen. Because uh, I expect something, the other person also expects something. And if the expectations are very complex, it doesn't get fulfilled. And whenever it is not fulfilled, I feel hurt. I feel the other person is not loving me. And all those things, then I feel a disillusion and all, so many things happen. Problems of love. <laughs> I don't have to go into details. Everyone experiences in one's life. If not, then a lot of songs are there in, in the cinema also. Anyone you can pick and you will find. Jab dil hi toot gaya. That is. <laughs> dil ke tukde hazaar These are all sad songs, but happy songs are also there. Anyway. So, where there is uh, love and when uh, expectation is only if we are superficial, only when we look outwardly. But when we have love for the very self, for the very soul, for the very depth of even the other person, even a flower or even a bird, if you love the bird to the depth, then you will you are loving God only. Then the bird bird disappears and God only is there. Therefore, in our scriptures, in our tradition, they talk about love. Love your husband or love your wife, love your family, love uh, your society, love the country. But love of a greater depth, without selfish. Expectations and attach. I mean, other uh, ulterior motives and all. So those are the dosha. So when we remove this dosha, when we have this pure love in our heart without any expectation, which is difficult. I am not saying that it is easy. One fine morning, suddenly it happens. No, but the more and more the expectations are dropped from love then that love will take us to our ultimate goal. That love will take us to that ultimate goal. Even in Bhagavad, the story of all these gopis and all coming with Bhagwan Krishna, and they are there with Krishna, and they have forgotten everything and all, totally surrendered to Krishna. Then suddenly they become aware of themselves, and they say, oh, Krishna is with us only. We are so lucky. We are so special. We are so nice. Suddenly Krishna disappears from there. Because that I came. And with that I came expectation. And Krishna disappears. But when there is no expectation, no I, then Krishna comes. It's very strange. Because as Kabirdajji also says, the gully of this love is very narrow. Only one person can be there. Either you can be there or God can be there. If you are there, God cannot come. And when you are not there, God will come. Love has got the power to eliminate this I. That is called surrender. When we say or when we have uh, uh, that uh, attitude that only God alone is there, even this little I is not there, only God is there. Everything is that supreme, then that I also dissolves. But when that I little ego is there, then the ego has got its own expectations. And with expectation, the love gets diluted and gets spoiled. Hmm? In fact, when we say anger, jealousy, greed, passion, all these negative qualities which are there, Kaam, Kuroda, Loba, Mohamada, matsar, and all. They are all different forms of love only. When I say I am angry, what does it mean? That I have great love for myself and somebody is hurting me. So I get angry, what do you mean? So it is the expression of that love only going in the wrong channel. When I say pride also, it is also love for the self. Self means the ego, that I am greater than you. Jealousy, that is also love, that I don't want anybody going ahead of me because I have love for myself. I want to go ahead. So, even the negative qualities are just spoiled love, like spoiled children, are there, no? They are nothing but like spoiled love. Because all this is play of love only. The whole world is rasalila. Play of love, play of joy, play of happiness. But when it gets spoiled, it shows some ugly features which are not there really in it. It's like chandan. Chandan basically is very sweet smelling. But when it is put in water and it is kept like that, it starts giving out foul smell. It is the dosha. It comes on that. When you clean the chandan, again that fragrance smell will come. Fragrance will come. So, jita sangha dosha. So, Bhagwan says those who have conquered the defects of attachment. And that is conquered by removing selfishness. As our Gurudev says that ego and egocentric desires, I plus I want is attachment. When that I want and I is removed, then that is pure love. So jitasanga dosha ha. When we develop this love, pure love in our heart, we can, we can practice or we can express it towards anyone or anything, even towards the birds, animals, even our garden. If we have complete love for that plant, or for the tree, or for the bird, The real love. huh? Then it is bhakti only. That is seeing God in everyone and everything. So jita sanga dosha and adhyatma nitya. The third one quality is adhyatma nitya. Adhyatma means regarding the self. Firm or constant regarding the self. Regarding the self means regarding the Study and inquiry about the self. Adhyatma. See, this whole our scriptures are Adhyatma Shastra. They are Adhyatma. The term religion and all has been imported from abroad and all. It has spoiled the real meaning of it. But the actual the meaning of all these scriptures is this Adhyatma. It talks about Atma. Atmatnyana. And it says that the self in you and the self in all is same. So self doesn't mean ego, but that pure consciousness which is same in all. So one who studies, understand the scriptures, listens to the great realized masters, interact with them and contemplate on this uh, contemplate to comprehend the self that is called adhyatma. That is called shifting our attention and inquiry toward the self. So one, a seeker should constantly meditate, contemplate and try to comprehend this self. Use all his faculties towards understanding the self. That's called Adhyatma Nitya. One should be obsessed as though by the self. Not the little self. huh? By the supreme self trying to comprehend it like a scientist. So that's called Adhyatma Nitya. Shankaracharya is right. Paramatma Swarupa Alochana Tat Paraha Is ever ready to investigate about the real nature of the self. So, scriptures are like mirror which shows us our real self, our real face. So we have to take help of them. We can take help of even one shloka or one mantra can help us. And then we have to inquire and comprehend itself. So, Adhyatma Nityaha. Even simple, just as Bhagawan Ramana Maharshi says, that just focus your attention on this I and try to find out its source from where it is arising. What is its source? That I thought. What is its source? And that source is that supreme consciousness only. So Adhyatma Nitya is the third qualification. And Vinivritta Kamaha one who is free from all other Kamna. Kamna means desires, cravings. Single-pointed uh, desire only to realize the self. All other desires they distract the sincere seeker. It's like, suppose you want to um, thread the needle. And if the needle has got many, sorry, that uh, thread has got many different uh, branches, like,
1: uh,
0: then it becomes... Hmm? Aapko pata hai. So, it becomes difficult to thread. First of all, you should be able to hold that needle in your hand steady. Many people hold it all the with a pointed portion on top. It doesn't go. So, first you have to know which portion is there. So, that has to be held properly. should be able to see the hole. And that hand should be absolutely still. And the other, that uh, we have to make it uh, single pointed. That is called adhyatma nitya, totally focused, single pointed and vinevrutta kama and no other distraction, no other thoughts and no other thing. So once that is done, then it will become easier to thread the needle. See when we go to the ashram also they the first thing they do with the brahmachari is shave their heads. They remove all our hairs and keep one choti only. That is the most frightening thing. Those who survive that then rest is easy. Many of them run away after that. He said, Baal ne kaatunga main. Bhagwan agar baal ke sahit melenge to I am fine. So, heads actually, they uh, they represent desires. They are just uh, symbolic. It's all are symbolic. Actually, our whole culture is, lot of symbolisms are there. But many times we forget the symbolism and get stuck with the rituals. So, heads represents desires. So, when a brahmachari, when a seeker goes to the teacher, he should remove all the desire and keep only one desire. That is the choti. Desire for God. Desire for that supreme state of liberation. So only one choti is kept and rest all is removed. And then after staying with the teacher, learning all the scriptures and all, then he comes to comprehend that what I am seeking is my own self. Even that desire for liberation also goes away. So he cuts that choti also. A sannyasi is one who doesn't keep a choti also. Clean shaven. Even that desire for liberation is also false. You are already liberated. What are you keeping choti for? Hmm. These are symbolic. Just by cutting the choti you will get realization, there is no guarantee. This is symbolic. And by keeping lot of hair something wrong will happen, that is also not true. So, Vinivritti Kamaha means one whose kama desires have have uh, become silent, have gone away. A lot of other craving of the mind has gone. See, one who craves only for that self, only for God, then all other craving goes away. Tulsi Rajji says that uh, since I have developed that love for God, my interest in this six rasa and nine rasa. See, there are six rasa of taste. Shatrasa. All taste, six type of taste we experience. And there are nine type of rasas are there in literature. Shringara rasa and all. Karun rasa and Shant Rasa, Raudra rasa and all. So, they give joy. This rasa means that which gives us joy. But when one experiences the joy of the self, then all other joy seems very fika, seems very distant. So the seeker should be one who drops all other other agenda from his life and keeps only one agenda of recognizing and realizing the self. Not two agenda, only one. That is called vidi kama or sab chhod diya. Like Gautam Buddha when he finally decided that I will attain that state of enlightenment or I will drop this body also. Because if I cannot gain that enlightenment, what is the use of this body? I will drop it. So with that much sincerity and and dedication when he said, he came to recognize his own self. He, he attained that state of enlightenment. That's called Vinivritti Kama. See, Kama, all our desires are meant for happiness only. If all desires. There we say dharma, artha, Kama, Moksha and all. All desires are meant for happiness. I, and, but it is, it is backed by ignorance, so we don't know where that happiness is. And everyone is searching for happiness. This, that is the beauty of it. Everyone is seeking happiness, lasting peace and happiness. But nobody knows. So they are going into different direction. If you go out and stand on the, this uh, footpath and all, and when you see, half the city is going on one direction with full speed and this. And the other half is going in the other direction. And both of them are seeking happiness. The one who has left that place seeking happiness here and this fellow leaves this place seeking happiness there. Everyone feels that happiness is not here. It is out there somewhere. Ignorant person is one who feels happiness is in future. Happiness is in some other place and in some other time and in some other object and in some other person. A spiritual seeker is he knows that the happiness is not out there but it is in that self only. So all other desire with proper understanding gets dropped. Churjata. So Vinibrattakamaha, one who is free from all these uh, desires. Dwandvaervi mutaha. Bhagwan says one who is free from Dwandva. Dvandva is another term which is used many times in Gita and other scriptures also. Dvandva means pairs which go together. Generally it is translated as pairs of opposite. They need not be opposite but they go together. Like joy and sorrow go together. Where there is joy, there is sorrow. Where there is sorrow, there is joy. They go together. They are like brother and sister. They are like, together they go. They are like two sides of the same coin. Okay, that is better. Brother and sister also don't go together. <laughs> two sides of the same coin. Hmm? Not counterfeit coin. Huh? Real coin. So, the uh, when I say I am very happy and all, in that happiness itself lies the root of some sorrow also. Thoda sa, hone sorrow bhi ho hai. Then things get okay, then again their joy comes. They go together. Then, uh, this uh, gain and loss, they also go together. Gain and loss, papa and punya, raga and dvesha, Sukha and Dukkha. They, they are the Dvandva. So the world is experience and whatever we experience, that experience has got different degrees. So those degrees are called dwandva. So if I experience happiness, there is less of happiness. That less of happiness is called sorrow. If I experience great, uh, what you call mana, uh, recognition or uh, sanman, what you call? Honor. Then, little less of honor is called dishonor. For a person who is experiencing an honor, this will become dishonor. For one who is here, this much will be will be great honor for him. Hmm? In shadi case, you know, maybe people they get all irritated and nervous and they get annoyed and all because that maan, apmaan, samman, it becomes more vivid there. All sorts of things come because each one has got their own definition. Forget our Shadi vya, even lot of these uh, religious heads or religious people also when they meet, then also it is very difficult. Kisko jada maan dena hai, kisiko upar ki seet dene ki. That also can create a lot of God In the Gumbha Mela also, a lot of things happen when they are not properly followed. So maan apman, labhani, jai parajai, raga dvesha, uh, what you call, paap apunnya, sukha dukha, they are called dwandva, they go together. We experience the world, like that and we li- we are attached to one thing and we dislike another thing bhagwan says a seeker should try to look at both of them in the equal vision should look at sorrow and joy equally should become free of insistence on joy then he becomes free of that sorrow also and when we become free of this uh, joy and sorrow, this dwandva, we become we are we become available to recognize the truth. See these are very interesting points. And one uh, contemplates and uses this thing for one sadhana, then it will be very nice. When we sit for meditation, what prevents us from going deep within our this dwandva only. When some thoughts come, either we like it or we dislike it. Either we feel happy with it or we feel sad with it. So either way, we get stuck with those thoughts. We get stuck with our friends and we get stuck with our enemies. So if we want to go beyond the thoughts, you should go beyond this concept of friend and enemy, beyond the concept of joy and sorrow. Then we will be able to go beyond these thoughts. So therefore, here Bhagavan says Dwandwair Vimuktaha. This term was used in the second chapter also, where Bhagavan talked about uh, Vedas. Traigunya Vishya Vedaha Nistraygunya Bhavarjuna, Nedvandvaha, nir Nityasatvastaha, Niryoga Kshema Atmavan. He says that uh, this all these Vedas talk about the three Gudas. Hey Arjuna, you go beyond these three gunas. How? Near Dvandvaha, become free of this Dvandva. But how? He says, you establish yourself into Satvagon. When we encourage and invoke more and more Satvagon, we become free of this Dvandva. Person who is established in gun will look at both joy and sorrow with equal vision will look at success and failure with equal vision. It's like a uh, when you play with little children. For little children, that victory and defeat becomes very important. But for elders, it doesn't matter. You want to do this. For them, they become equal in the Dvandva. For them, the victory and defeat is same. So, Dvandva Vimuktaha and Bhagavan gives example of this Dvandva, Sukha Dukkha Sanyaihi, uh, named as Sukha and Dukkha. For example, Sukha and Dukkha. Sukha is happiness, Dukkha is sorrow. This also Dvandva. Joy, or Sukha means pleasure and pain, or joy and sorrow. It is Dvandva. And it is with respect to the mind, the state of the mind. So this pleasure and sorrow is experienced according to the state of the mind. And when we get attached to the pleasure, we get attached to the state of the mind. And when we are attached to the state of the mind, we are stuck in this prakriti only, in the samsara. So Bhagwan tells the seeker that become free of this dvandva, then you will be able to recognize your own self. See like those horses. Uh, especially those, uh, those gadi wale and all those in the cities and all, they put those, uh, blinkers, blinkers on their eyes. So that they don't, don't get distracted by the traffic around them. They only see in front and keep walking in front. But when they get distracted, they can't go any forward. Similarly, this dvandva distracts the seeker. So when he shifts his attention from everywhere and focuses on the supreme, then he can just uh, attain that. So dvandvair vimuktaha sukha dukkha sanyahi gachanti amodhaha. Such person who has got these five qualities, nirmanamoha, jita sangha dosha, adhyatmanitya, kama, and Muktaha. Such seekers are called Amodhāha. They have become free of their delusion, become free of their foolishness. They have found their way. And such seekers, they attain that Supreme Padam. Padam Avvayam Tat Gacchanti. They attain that state of enlightenment. They attain the state of realization which is the goal indicated. Now what is that pada? What is so special about it? Why can't you tell about it in detail? So that is being now indicated in the next verse. Na bhāsayate suryaḥ यदगत्वा ननिवर्तन्ते
1: vana
0: nivartante yad nivartante mama mama natad
1: bhasayate
0: Padam, that Pada which was indicated in the previous verse, that state of enlightenment, which is the which is that Brahma alone, one who knows that Brahma becomes that Brahma. So that Brahma or that supreme reality, what is it? Where is it? What is that state? Bhagwan says it's very difficult to comprehend it. Because it is not illumined by the sun. Natad bhāsayate suryaha Even the sun, which is so powerful, which illumines the entire world, it cannot illumine that that place. Many people try to seek heaven or that great Brahma and all in this cosmos only. But whatever is illumined by the stars and all, is not that place. Because it cannot be illumined by any stars. Cannot be illumined by the sun. Oh, then it must be something at night. Maybe the moon can illuminate. Says no. Na shashankaha. Moon is called shashanka because it has got shasha. That uh, uh, rabbit. So shashanka also cannot illumine the, that pada. Then maybe the fire can illuminate. He says, no, na pavakaha. It cannot be illumined by the fire also. Yad nivartante tad dhāma mama." That is the dhāma. Bhagavan says, that is my place, that is my abode, that is my home, that is my house. But it cannot be seen by the sun. It is not illumined by the moon. It is not illumined by the fire also. See, one meaning is this, but another is, this. all these three, they are the presiding deities of our sense organs and mind and all. So, Surya is the presiding deity of our eyes. Adisthana Devata is called. See, we have these five senses, and each of these senses, they have their presiding deities mentioned in the scriptures. But these presiding deities are like sun represents light. So for eyes, light is required. Without light, the eyes cannot see. Just because I have eyes, I will see. Doesn't, it is not outside. The help is required. Light is required. Again, the presiding deity of the mind is the, is the moon. Even the great Rishi Munis, they found out that the mind the Devata of that mind is the moon. One is that if you look at the moon it constantly changes, constant there are various phases it goes through. Sometimes it is totally dark. Né? Amavasya. And sometimes a bright and uh, similarly our mind also goes through these phases, sometimes it's very bright and uh, as though it has reached the seventh heaven. After a few days, he said, okay, I am very low, you know, I am depressed. Why are you so sad? No? He did not smile at me. You know. But that doesn't make you so sad. No, he smiled at the other person. <laughs> so, anyway, the mind is ruled by the moon. Also, we they found a relationship actually when the Purnima is there or uh, Amavasya is there, it affects the moon, it affects the mind. Some people actually become very happy in Purnima, become little sad on Amavasya day and all. So, moon is very much connected to human beings. The cycle of the moon is connected to our cycles. So, Natad Bha saite Surya Nash. Uh, and Pavaka is the, uh, uh, is the Devata of our speech. Agni is the Devata. Therefore sometimes we use that term fiery speech. Fire of God is the Devata of speech. Eyes represent all the senses. Mind represents Antakarana, mana buddhi, Chitta Hankar. And speech represents all the organs of action. So, by saying that, that great Padak is not illumined by the sun, the moon and the fire, what Bhagwan wants to indicate is that Padak is not illumined by our senses, nor is it illumined by the mind, the intellect, the ahankar and all, nor is it illumined by our speech and our organs of action. With the legs you cannot go there, with the hands you cannot touch it. With the with the speech, you cannot uh, describe it. All these organs of perception, action, mind, intellect, all of them are limited. They themselves are functioning because of the presence of consciousness. But that consciousness cannot be comprehended by the mind and intellect. Mind, intellect tries to comprehend with the help of feelings and thoughts. Senses try to comprehend through its perception. Speech tries to comprehend by speaking about it, defining it, talking about it. But that truth cannot be comprehended by all this. It can be, one can be the truth, one cannot describe or talk or think about it. I myself am that supreme reality. It cannot be comprehended by any of my senses or the mind or the in, or the organs of action. So, na tad bhāsayate suryaha, na shashāṅko, na pāvakaha, yad gatvādhanivartante tad paramam mama. Bhagavan says, having attained this state, there is no more return into this uh, samsara, into confusion, into sorrow, into pain, into sense of duality into the sense of limitation there is no more return into it one comes to attain that and get established in that supreme self so this uh, these are all all these shlokas are like uh, like sutra they are like aphorisms they have great depth so when we contemplate on it we will come to understand their depth. So therefore, Bhagavan when he indicates this, it means that when we when we meditate, we should learn to transcend our senses, transcend the mind, the intellect, and be where we are. It is not that we are going from outside to our our dharma, we are seated in that dhamma only. We have to recognize that we are where we want to be by shifting our attention from all these outer distractions. Hmm. It's like a what you call um, sometimes um, you uh, watch a movie and all and you feel you are there but when you When you focus your attention, you will understand you are not there, but you are seated comfortably in your seat. Similarly, when we use our senses, we feel I am in the senses. When I use my mind, I feel I am in the mind. When I use my intellect, I feel I am in the intellect. When I drop this, all this equipment, I will know where I am. And where I am is the Supreme Dham. Tad Dhamma Paramam Mama. Hmm. I hope you are with with Bhagwan. Yes, yes, you are with Bhagwan. So more about this we will see in our class tomorrow.